Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast that puts fictional teens through harrowing ordeals for your amusement. Book number 56, Lost at Sea. Will Elizabeth ever see Jessica again? Well, hello, gladiators. Welcome to the podcast again. Back with our usually regularly, our back to our regularly scheduled program, as they say. Um, Haley Tubbs is my guest. Hi, Haley. Hello. I was just going to start talking to you casually and realize that the professional thing to do would be to introduce you. Hi. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hello. (laughs) So last week, we had a little surprise hiatus where we were like out of sequence, but now we're getting back mm-hmm. into this regular sequence of things lost at sea. So the gladiators have been waiting for this with bated breath, I can only presume. Well, I'm honored to be a part of this podcast coming back with a bang. Listeners may be aware of Haley if they have children from the age of like <laughs> four to nine, four to 11 <laughs> that are interested in science because you're something of um, of a of a child celebrity. Well, that makes it sound like you're a child. You are celebrity among nerdy children. I mean, I also consider myself a nerdy child, so I don't take Same. offense to that at all. None, <laughs> none intended, none at all. <laughs> yeah, I, Marissa and I work together on this awesome app called Tappity, where we bring the excitement of science to the youth of the world, truly, all around the world, which has been such a very fun thing to be a part of. It's really, together. really, really, really super fun. I will put a link uh, to the app in the show notes, I'm sure. <laughs> The founders of, of said app will be thrilled <laughs> that that's happening. I know that some of the listeners have children, but it's so fortuitous that this book ended up being ostensibly about a science project. I know! When I first started reading it, I was like, is this why Marissa chose me for this one? This is perfect. Like getting into the tide pool research and all that stuff. So I was like, yes, give me all those details. It's just a thing that happens sometimes. The stars align, and it's just the perfect book for the perfect <laughs> guest reader. So, right. Lost at Sea is a title that gives away a lot of what the book is about. It's, it's sure. what it says on the label. But, surprisingly enough, does start uh, as a premise with a science, like, science class extra credit. Jessica Wakefield is behind in chemistry class. Like, she's failing chemistry. Mr. Russo appears, who's the teacher, seems to be some kind of, like, all-purpose science teacher. And they even make (laughs) reference to that. They do. I was confused at first, because I was like, this seems very much like a marine biology project, but she's talked about how she's failing chemistry. And then there was one point in the book where they address, like, and it doesn't even matter that this doesn't have anything to do with chemistry. It'll boost my science grade overall. So (laughs) it did definitely start to seem like maybe Mr. Russo was just, yeah, the all-purpose science teacher, just taught every subject and they kind of they yeah. benefited each other. <laughs> I mean, super generous of Mr. Russo to allow such a thing, but I guess he wants to maximize the number of kids that come on his really complicated and like bizarre science field trip, extra credit field trip. There are only 16 kids that that go on it. First of all, I was surprised that it took so much urging. That seems like a very fun thing to me. Um, yeah. So the, <laughs> the first half of the story when it was like Jessica's friends, like trying to get out of it and talking about how boring it's going to be. And I was like, this is, first of all, being a Southern Californian, Anacapa Island is awesome. So to go on a boat for school credit for free to an tropical island sounds like something that I would pay for. <laughs> so. so Anacapa Island is a real place. Yes. I didn't I didn't do my research here. This is yeah. the perfect guest, Haley. I thought maybe it was just kind of recently we read a book where they were talking about a place called Renoma County. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that this was maybe, you know, Anacapa has the same number of syllables. It's like Catalina. I was getting sort of like Catalina Island vibes. But that's so cool. They went to a real place. That's amazing. The Channel Islands. Yeah. Well, I knew the Channel Islands were real. And the fact that there are multiple Channel Islands does, does become significant to the plot of this book. But at the outset, yeah, we were so excited, we just dove right into it. So we'll do a little bit of set dressing for the listeners here. Great. Uh, at the outset, Jessica and Elizabeth are both going to be going on this class trip, and it really sets up these personalities, right? Because Jessica really wishes she didn't have to waste a perfectly beautiful weekend day going on this stupid science trip. 
and then spends most of the science trip trying to not do science if she can get away with it. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is getting a great grade in science, but she sees... I'm giving away my position, uh, which the gladiators know very well. I'm an Elizabeth. But she... I was going to say... She sees it as the great opportunity that it is, <laughs> but I mean to say she thinks of it as something that will be fun. So she's sure. going to go uh, and have fun. And they get on this boat with a bunch of other kids, and there's like a whole laundry list of other students. Did any of them stand out to you? Enid, Elizabeth's best friend. There was a pretty clear picture of her um, and how she differed from Jessica's best friends. Um, yes, Lila <laughs> Fowler, I believe, is also oh, yes. on the trip. Oh, yes. She was a – I feel like I got a pretty strong taste of who she was immediately. Yeah. There's a funny line early on where Lila is really dismissive of the vessel that they are riding out to Anacapa Island. It's called the Maverick. She's like, oh, such a small boat. And we get a glimpse inside Jessica's inner monologue. She's like, it doesn't seem that small to me. But all right, I guess Lila's just used to mega yachts. Sure. Finding out that she was the daughter of one of the richest people in Southern California. That's right. George Fowler. Which is quite a feat because Southern California is full of some rich people. So (laughs) you can imagine the the size of yachts they were frequenting. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, he's new money. He's in he's in Silicon, I think. So only going to become richer as the books go on, I'm sure. (laughs) <laughs> um, what did I write down here? I wrote, Randy Mason and Lois Waller are like the kids on Saved by the Bell that the show's not about. Like, they have included <laughs> these, these like, uh, mostly the, like, sort of main characters and a couple of, like, randos that we've heard of before, but they barely warrant um, a description. They're, like, the some of the only people in Sweet Valley High that are not attractive and are not described <laughs> as being attractive. And, of course, once they get to the island... Jessica is paired up with them and Winston Eggbird in a group of four to, like, to look at tide pools. So Mr. Russo has a really clever little ruse that he does where he makes all of the students that seem to be flunking his classes be the ones that have to write down everything. And present. And one of the other students that has to do that is uh, Ken Matthews, who plays an important part in the early uh, pages of this book, right? Mm, yes, Jessica's quest to uh, to get his attention that was thwarted at every turn. Oh, you know what? We can, even though this is early on and we just started the recap, I think we can go a little bit into the part of the podcast where we talk about boys right off the bat. Because a lot of the boy talk in this book is at the beginning, and it's front-loaded and back-loaded. It's all, it's all coming from I'm Jessica's perspective. But here's something that Jessica says. This may just be a class field trip to you, but I can see its deeper potential, Jessica declared in a sophisticated tone. For example, it's a chance to work on my tan and a chance to work on Ken Matthews. Wiggling her eyebrows suggestively, Jessica strolled past Elizabeth out of the bathroom. Ken Matthews, Elizabeth repeated, surprised. A classmate of theirs at Sweet Valley High, Ken was captain and star quarterback of the school football team. Jessica had dated Ken occasionally in the past, but Elizabeth had thought that was it as far as their romance was concerned. Since when are you interested in Ken again, she asked. Since I checked out the list of people signed up for the field trip and he was the cutest one on it, Jessica (laughs) answered matter-of-factly from her bedroom. So great. (laughs) Yeah. So great. The idea, and it's not even like it's like a week-long trip somewhere and she's got to fill her time. It's like she has to spark a relationship and bring it to fruition in this like six hour field trip or else it's all been for naught. Just this one afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> and there's another part later where she's talking to Lila and Lila's like, ugh, like he's old news. I guess, assuming like you've already dated him. What like you've been doing? there, done that Jessica. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is kind of like, news. I don't remember that. I mean, that happened uh, purportedly in their um, sophomore year, which is before these books start. So that was kind of fun oh. to get a glimpse. They even have a little back and forth exchange at one point where we hear about how the things they used to do, the dance they used to go to. And yeah. How he ran out of gas and Jessica was all prepared for it to be just, uh, that was just uh, a line, but then he left her in the car while he walked to a gas station, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and their their kiss on the beach. But it yeah. seems like this was 
I want to know why it ended. It seemed like they were both pretty into each other. Unless um, unless there really was nothing there. And truly the excitement is just that he is the most eligible man on this very short afternoon field trip. Right. <laughs> yeah. She would make a comment about like, like these two other people are taken, like Winston's a dweeb and like Mr. Russo's too old. So like, this is what I got. So. <laughs> she literally says Mr. Russo's too old. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and so she's flirting a lot on the way over there with Ken, but she's thwarted at every turn by Winston's antics because Mr. Russo had this buddy system thing set up. So she's thwarted at every turn by Winston, who is her buddy. The worst part of all of that was uh, seeing like Ken join in with Winston in like laughing at Jessica's expense. So I was like, Ooh, girl, like he has laughed at you several times and like, you're not embarrassed. You keep on trucking. Like you are still trying to shoot your shot. Even though like Winston is, is playing practical jokes on you the whole time. And right. Ken always is like in on it with Winston and is laughing at your expense. I think I would have slunk away much earlier, but she's a very confident woman. Yeah, you're reminding me that once they get to the island and Jessica has just like a few minutes where Winston has screwed up their tide pool by accidentally stepping in it and it's like all cloudy and they can't make any measurements. So they're taking a 15 minute break to let the cloud of dust and, you know, destruction that Winston has left in his wake kind of clear. And so she thinks, oh, this is my opportunity to go talk to Elizabeth's group, which Ken is in. And, like, no sooner does she go over and, like, say, hey, you know, hey, everybody, hi, Ken, then um, people start laughing at her because Winston has sneaked up behind her and put a crab on her head, a hermit (laughs) crab. So that's that's what Winston's got going on. And (laughs) Jessica is really pissed about it, understandably. Yeah. She was set that she was going to spend the entire time with Ken, and then it was dictated that she would not see him the entire time because Mr. Russo put them in separate groups. And then she was like, well, maybe I can sneak away. And then, like you said, Mr. Russo was like, actually, you're the scribe of the group, so you have right. to be there the whole time. Yeah. And also, there's a buddy system, someone who will be watching you to make sure you don't sneak away. So it's, it like, just, it's almost like Mr. Russo knows what these kids are capable of. Sure. That's <laughs> definitely the sense I got. Just putting like one attractive person in every group so that none of them can <laughs> meet up secretly. <laughs> yeah. Turn the trip into some kind of sandals vacation. Gotta say, I wouldn't think it would be that hard for a teacher to keep an eye on 16 students. And I don't know where Mr. Russo is during all this. Maybe he's off having a Mai Tai somewhere. Like, that was his plan. (laughs) But all this is actually fairly significant setup for what's to come. Because before long here, what we're going to have on our hands is something that I have been saying for a while. I was surprised it didn't exist. And that is a Winston book. Because this book is about to become, in a way, our first, like, Winston book. I mean, he's still, he doesn't, he doesn't get a, a spot on the cover. We, Gladiators will describe the cover in a minute. But, you know, it's largely about him, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, I didn't realize, I didn't know anything about if he'd been introduced previous to this book. But yeah, you really get like the ins and outs of his personality, like who he truly is as a person and how he covers it up and like the personality that he's sort of forged for himself and how that contradicts who he really is inside. Like it's a, it's a a deep dive into, into who he is and his character development. Absolutely. Like not just the class clown, but like what drives him to be the class clown. Sure. So before we get Winston really gets showcased though, he's just being the class clown. He's annoying Jessica. And finally it's time for them to kind of head back to the mainland And that gets sort of hurried along because there's a storm coming in. So (laughs) they've got to get back on the boat. And it's kind of cold. And while they're on the boat back, Jessica tries to get just like one last opportunity to kind of cozy up to Ken, especially since uh, Elizabeth is like giving her the like wing woman assist by occupying Winston uh, in a conversation. So they're having a, a you know conversation reminiscing about back in sophomore year when they went on some dates. The boat took an extra hard bounce across a large wave, and Jessica found herself thrown against Ken. He put an arm around her to steady her, and then left it there. Ken's body next to hers made Jessica's toes tingle with excitement. She was plenty warm now. 
So exciting things happening on this boat. It's about to get a lot more exciting, right? Because the boat is about to start taking on water. Uh, You know, the waves are crashing and things are looking bad. And then things really never make their way back to Ken Matthews again for the rest of... The rest of the book. (laughs) (laughs) The entire book. It seemed like they they were, you know having an intimate conversation closer and closer. It seems like there was going to be a kiss any minute. And then and then the, the boat was literally thrown. So. There, there is one funny moment that happens right before that, which I, well, it's like things have gone from bad to worse, but not as bad as they're going to get. And they've started like they're going to evacuate already. Like, so Mr. Russo starts like pulling out evacuation rafts and like handing out oars and, and life vests. It's just also gives you a glimpse into what's going on in Jessica's mind. Like, she's really got a one-track mind here. Don't worry, Jess, Ken said. We'll be fine. Jessica was more excited than anxious. Captain Marsden had said the Coast Guard was coming, so there really wasn't any danger involved, she thought. But talk about romantic. She and Ken Matthews soaking wet and clinging to each other in a tiny lifeboat in the middle of a raging sea. Mr. Russo had pulled the tab on the first lifeboat, and it inflated rapidly. Okay, he yelled, two people and two oars to a lifeboat. Jessica and Ken pressed forward along with the others. Then Mr. Russo added, buddy system. (laughs) Buddy system, Jessica groaned. Ken gave her a last squeeze and dashed over to join Enid, leaving Jessica with Winston. I, I laughed. I thought that was funny. I was stressed, honestly. Like, I thought after, like, after all the trials she had been through, like, like you said, her one track mind, like she has been clear from the beginning that this is, you know, this is the only thing she's focused on. This is her one goal. And just watching her like relentlessly go toward this goal and just everything getting in her way. (laughs) (laughs) So when it got to the point where it was finally going to happen and then, you know, they were evacuating the boat and she was still optimistic and she was like, I'm still kind of getting what I want. And then boom, take yeah. it away from her. I honestly, I had, a, I felt stressed. I was a little bit upset for her. I was like, man, you cannot catch a break. Yeah. And just that line, she was more excited than anxious. Like she's just not yeah. worried at all. She's yeah. like, this is going to be romantic. This will be a great story. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's that, that attitude sticks with her strangely enough, even through the events that are about to unfold, which are she and Winston are are in the lifeboat. Um, Aaron, Dallas, and Elizabeth are in another lifeboat, and they only have one oar. Well, that's because Winston took three by accident. So they paddle over in these huge waves, and the fog is so thick they can hardly see through it. And Winston stands up to, like, toss an oar over to them, and a big wave comes and overturns uh, Jessica and Winston's life raft. And... Uh, nobody knows what happened to them. Uh, Jessica, we learn not too long after this, her vest was not, she didn't cinch it up tightly enough, which kids, cinch up your vests. Here's the lesson. You're going to wear a life vest. <laughs> Make it count. And uh, it comes off. Luckily, she's a strong swimmer. But um, this doesn't put anyone's minds at ease in terms of the people that have lost sight of Jessica, right? Because she's wearing the canary yellow life vest, and it's the only yellow life vest on the whole boat. So when things clear a little bit and this vest turns up, they're like, oh, no, maybe she drowned. Which, I mean, sounds likely. Like, it, it checks out, right? Like, yeah, reasonable assumption. It's difficult to think that someone could, like, I don't know, tread water through an entire storm without any flotation device. Like, that's... yeah. And she doesn't know. She's, like, kind of, like, laying back and, like, letting the tide take her. She's like, I hope I'm not going into the open ocean. But I guess she has the thought that's like, well, things are bad, but they're not as bad as they could possibly be. So good for her. And then she she washes up on on an island. So we we have this dramatic irony thing going on as readers, right? Like, we know that Jessica's okay. But Mm -hmm. we keep on cutting back to the rest of the boat and the Coast Guard and then eventually... Sweet Valley, where everybody is like, it's looking bad. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was grateful that <laughs> um, I was thinking to myself, like, well, you know, if it if we weren't cutting back and forth between Jessica and Elizabeth, um, and I truly like if they cut from Jessica's point of view to Elizabeth's point of view, like they did, but then stayed that way, I would have a much different experience reading this book because they yeah. really delved into like 
Elizabeth and her family like mourning and like just like a very realistic picture of them like in their house, like listening for any news from the phone and Right. And- Alice trying to keep a strong front, but then, you know, Elizabeth notices that there's like a tear streaming down her mother's face while she's yeah. offering like coffee and lemon bars to her Lingering son and daughter. In her- yeah, exactly. Exactly. Going up to her room and being like, is this mess the last that I'll ever have of her? Like Aww. It, it made me really, like, honestly, if I didn't know that Jessica was okay, I was about, I, you know, I'd be like, I don't know that I want to keep reading this book. It's too sad. <laughs> but like well, knowing that everything was going to be fine made it yeah. okay. I'm not a big fan of, of sad things. So I was like, I'm so glad I know that this ends well. <laughs> or else I'd well, be crying. I wonder, I mean, if that was an editorial choice to avoid that, because even like the cover of this book, you know, you read the subtitle, Will Elizabeth Ever See Jessica Again? And I mean, that, first of all, raises some questions about like, oh, no, what what happened to Jessica? But then I don't think it's super clear uh, on the cover of this book who that is, if it's supposed to be Elizabeth or Jessica. You know, is it Elizabeth at home later? I'll be draggled and wet after the storm? Or is it Jessica on the island? Sure. Furthermore, uh, the outfit that she's wearing is the white gauzy top that Jessica has, but it's not the bandeau that we know her to be wearing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which, by the way, all the way back, way back on page six, when Elizabeth sees what Jessica is wearing to the field trip, which is like flimsy thong sandals very short, very snug ice denim shorts and a skimpy bandeau with bare shoulders. <laughs> Jessica says, Don't worry, Jessica assured Elizabeth. She waved the gauzy white shirt she was holding in her right hand, along with her sunglasses and a bottle of tanning oil. I won't scandalize Mr. Russo by showing up half naked for his field trip. <laughs> she smiled slyly. I'll cover up until he's not looking. <laughs> so she's self-aware. Yeah, poor thing. I mean, but I thought of that many times during this book, that that's what she's wearing during all of this. Like, that's the clothes that she has. How how she didn't lose her bandeau top while she, during the uh, the waves crashing around her, Lord yeah. only knows. <laughs> her, like, her, her life vest came off, but somehow the, like, the strip bandeau of... Stayed. Yeah. Every time I, I mean, wear a bandeau, I lose it just walking around. So right. I don't know how <laughs> she made it through the surf. Should anyone listening be unclear on what a bandeau is? It's literally like when there is a stretchy piece of like tube of fabric. It's a tube top. It's a tube top with no straps. Only sure. only tube. And you don't wear a bra with it. You're you're only wearing the tube. So I don't sure. know how she didn't lose the tube in the waves. And I was wondering, is is bandeau the one that like ends like just above the stomach? Like was she like stomach out too? Because I thought bandeau was just the strip, like not the whole shirt. That's what I'm picturing, yeah. That's what I was picturing also. And I mean, if she was there to get a tan, you know, why would she cover her stomach? So I was like, man, the entire time you're... Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know what? To go back to the question of not knowing what's happened to Jessica and Winston, I'm realizing that we actually are left for a longer time not knowing if Winston is okay. Because they find his San Diego Padres baseball cap, mm-hmm. which I thought was a fun touch. And uh, that it washes up around the same time. Uh, I say washes up. Like, they find it like they find it in the water. Like, the Coast Guard finds it around mm-hmm. the same time they find that life vest that they knew Jessica was wearing. That was also a well-done, like... I got, like, I, you know, like a little, a little goosebumpy feeling when they found the life vest and they're like, who was wearing the yellow life vest? And then eventually deduced that it was Jessica was like, yeah. a, that was, can remember, he helped her a, put it on. A fun, suspenseful moment. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got Jessica has floated away and eventually, thank goodness, has washed up on some other island. It's not Anacapa Island. It's some tiny other island. She's like, okay, I'm safe. And she immediately falls asleep and I guess doesn't wake up until the next morning. So nice good sleep for her after (laughs) exerting herself. She looks around and it's really beautiful. And this is what Jessica thinks to herself out loud. This place isn't half bad, Jessica said out loud, rubbing the sore muscles in her upper arms. This could be kind of fun. I'm a castaway, like on Gilligan's Island. Then Jessica recalled that Gilligan and his pals had been stranded on their particular island for years. 
Well, that couldn't happen to her. She wasn't that far from civilization. Or was she? She gets up and stretches and looks around and is scared by a noise. Who should come out of the bushes? Winston! It's Winston. (laughs) Jessica is not excited to see him. (laughs) She's like, great. My romantic dream come true. Stranded on a deserted island with Winston Egbert. (laughs) And just, just, you know, the irony of like, this would be, you know, like her ultimate fantasy. Like if she had gotten into the boat with Ken, like if the final buddy system didn't come into effect, like being this exact situation, like being stranded with a boy is yeah. would be like her ultimate fantasy and like the best thing to ever happen to her. But it was just the one boy that she was not interested in, which is I'm surprised the book didn't name drop like Blue Lagoon or something. I guess they didn't want to go there. But like what's Jessica's fantasy is yeah, it's very romantic fantasy. But strangely enough, she really does not ever entertain a thought of romance between her and Winston. I kind of thought maybe the book would go there, you know? I did but- too. Not to, not to skip ahead. I'm sure we'll touch on it later. But there was a moment in particular I was like, oh, is this happening? But yeah, they start to get to know each other or even just like, well, we'll get to it. But Winston is really like a great person to be stranded on a deserted island with, huh? Turns out, yeah. Like he, he's cooking right off the bat? I think this is where you start to see a bigger picture of him because even from even from the jump like his choice to tap into his mind for a second i mean what must his uh, processes have been you know like jessica's here she survived surely he had considered the fact that she had not made it because he was the one that ended up with the lifeboat she was by herself at sea right so like i'm sure and he lost the lifeboat too by the way so that's not so great like (laughs) his clumsiness coming into play here he like immediately loses the lifeboat sure sure but so when they're in that brush you know and he sees her from a distance surely there's some relief there's some joy seeing her alive um i'm sure he would probably want to reassure her after they've both been through a near-death experience but his choice in that moment was to play a prank on her and make it seem (laughs) like there was a cannibal that was trying to eat her and then revealed himself to be himself yeah. um, so and then then we find out that he lost the lifeboat so we're like man what you know this guy really is a screw up um but then you start to see his true colors when he is like oh i caught these fish by hand i know how to make a fire i've cooked us a delicious meal and you're like oh turns out you're a lot more than you know the dweeb you seemed like yeah so just a heads up that this book does uh, definitely throw around a little little casually, not too often, but a few times some, I guess what we would call pretty like colonialist kind of language and fears that Jessica has about headhunters and cannibals and stuff like that. But it's just, it's it's not too much. They don't make too big a deal out of it. And they don't actually meet any other human beings on the island. Sure. So it's, it's just all a- just the stuff of fantasy. I did pick up on that as well. I was like, oh, I'm glad they touched on that and moved away pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it was really only about half a page. Um, yeah. But it, so Winston is cooking. Like, he he's, like, caught fish. I guess somehow, like, scaled it and stuff and cut it into fillets and, like, wrapped it in palm leaves and cooked yeah. it over a fire. He has this, like, kit, safety kit from the raft that has matches and stuff so he can start a fire and jessica is like really into this meal like yum yum this fish and i mean she doesn't want to eat at every meal for for her life but she's like this is really good so it seemed like i don't know where he got a knife but it seemed like he uh this swiss army knife also from the oh wow very good they really hooked him up yeah they really they set him up for success yeah and a little bit later they're gonna build this crazy like structure that they're gonna live in and there's all this talk about how he uses a little bit of string to tie sticks together to build a shelter it's like man this is a some emergency kit but also like (laughs) good work buddy like we get a we get a um a glimpse that perhaps a Winston may have been a Boy Scout at some point, may, or Eagle maybe Scout even currently. Mentioned a couple times. Yeah, he s- tells Jessica that she could be an Eagle Scout. Here's one passage though that really highlights the kind of differing priorities of Winston and Jessica. Which I will say that I almost it almost seems like Winston's presence is encouraging Jessica to be more of a like lazy, good for nothing than she would be if she'd had to survive alone. That's fair. You know, like. 
is if she's thinking about finding food until Winston shows up, and then she's just like, Winston, I just take care of it. My tan, look for some shells. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's a little bit of a long passage, but I think it paints a picture of much more of the book than I'm reading. Okay. Jessica rolled her eyes. Give me a break, Egbert. You sound like a Cub Scout leader. I mean, really, finding food won't take much time at all. We can do it later. I want to do something fun. Jessica had a vision of herself wearing a skirt made of palm fronds with pink hibiscus woven in her loose, flowing hair. She would be reclining against a bower of fragrant tropical flowers when the rescue boat pulled up. One thing was for sure, she couldn't greet any handsome sailors looking like she did right now. Her shorts and shirt were wrinkled beyond belief, not to mention being torn and full of sand. Her hair was one big tangle. Improving her appearance was her top priority. Fun! Winston pronounced the word as if he'd never heard it before, which Jessica found amusing, considering he was always kidding around. Yes, Jessica said. Fun? Got something against it? Nope. Winston's expression remained self-righteous, but there's a time and place for everything. He turned away from Jessica to look out at the water and the sky. She followed his gaze. The sky had become partly cloudy, and the northwesterly breeze had picked up quite a bit since that morning. It looks like rain to me, Winston speculated. What do you think? Maybe, Jessica admitted, but I'm not a meteorologist, she added dryly. Well, I think we should wait on the food and build a shelter instead, right away. And collect some firewood and get it under cover where it'll stay dry, Winston suggested. To Jessica, that sounded even more uninteresting than gathering food. Do we have to, she moaned. Do you want to get soaking wet and freeze to death and be starving on top of that? Winston challenged her. Jessica stuck her tongue out at him. I plan to be rescued before it starts to rain, she informed him airily. Winston sighed. Women, he muttered under his breath. Which offensive? A but. little bit. <laughs> it, they they did a, a decent job because there are moments like that where it's like that that seems a, a little sexist, and then uh, their eventual compromise after that is well, fine. Jessica will go with him to get supplies if he lets her decorate the shelter afterwards with pretty flowers. Um, yeah. So there there are some moments like that, that are maybe a little cringy, but then also they make sure to also pepper in these moments of like Jessica being like a confident, strong athletic swimmer and making it to the Island on her own. And then there's this moment, not to jump ahead, but there's this moment later of, of him. I think we're there. Okay. Yeah. I have a a feeling of what you're going to say. And I think we can talk about it right now. Okay, great. (laughs) The moment where Winston's like, um, where they're collecting firewood, which I guess, Mm -hmm. yes, is not really jumping ahead. It's right now. And, you know, he was like, I'm the man. Let me carry it all. Like, I have to protect dainty women such as you. Um, That's that's not the quote. Yeah. Something that seems like that. Um, And uh, (laughs) Jessica goes along with it, but they do also make sure to, to, in her inner monologue, um, you know, have her say, Actually, though, I am more athletic than he yeah. is uh, because between like cheerleading practice and all the other things that yeah. I do, like he's punier than I am. So there are moments of sexism that are like balanced pretty well by moments of Jessica being like, actually, I am a strong woman. I'm, I'm just going to kind of, yeah, no, I'm she's tired, kinda, so I'm going to let this go. <laughs> right. She's kind of like, I'll let him have this one because he's carrying all the shit for me. But it's funny that he says that and he must know because I am a lot more athletic than him. And then what's about to happen is that Winston is going to insist like a very macho man might that he's not tired he can carry all this stuff up this big hill because there are blueberries up there doesn't matter that it's steep like it doesn't matter that I'm laden with all this stuff like let's just go walk up there Mm -hmm. and then once they get up there there's a bear (laughs) and Winston is like scared shitless and Jessica is the one who like has an idea to scare the bear away Although ultimately it is like a crack of thunder and lightning that scares the bear away. Sure, yeah, it's neither of them. It's the yeah. weather. I was grateful for that moment just after the insistence on like fixing her appearance, like working on her tan while she's a castaway, like yeah. finding pretty shells and all those things. So that that moment of um, clear-headedness and strength, I think was very important and <laughs> maybe well-received by the readers to be like, okay, you know, Jessica puts up this. And I think this is where the book starts to take a turn where you start to see the under um, the other side of Jessica and the other side of Winston, because now you're truly seeing like, you know, she 
kind of puts on this, you know, snobby kind of airy act, but like truly where it counts, like she is strong and clear headed and she can manage herself. Um, and then similarly to, uh, to Winston, we're about to see like how this affected him emotionally and get a, a glimpse into, I think right now of like his insecurities and how that causes him to be the class clown that he is. Let me see if I can find what he says. Jessica is like trying to kind of cheer him up a little bit. He says, thanks for cheering me up. Hey, it was nothing. She punched him lightly on the shoulder. And besides, I meant every word I said. I do admire you. I mean, she's told him that she admires him and is like grateful for the help that he's given her in like keeping them safe and dry. Winston shook his head with a disbelieving smile. You know, if anyone had ever told me I'd hear Jessica Wakefield say something like that to me, I'd have thought they were crazy. Jessica laughed. Am I all that bad? She asked. Well, Winston hesitated. I've got to admit, I always thought you were, well, sort of, uh, a little bit of a snob. Jessica raised one eyebrow and gave Winston a furious look, but she knew she couldn't really get mad at him. It might sting a little, but he was telling the truth. <laughs> well, she said, deciding that it was time for two confessions, she could at least get a lick in. I always thought you were a complete goon. <laughs> so he goes on to say, it's not always a barrel of laughs being the class clown. I mean, it's like any label, I guess. I'm the class clown, so I always have to do something funny. I have a reputation to live up to, you know? And sometimes I know I go overboard with it. Like yesterday on the field trip. I was driving you crazy playing pranks on you, wasn't I? So he's saying there, I kind of keep doing it because it's what everybody expects of me, basically. Sure, definitely. Yeah, but he is this capable person. Also, I mean, before he cooked that delicious meal of fish and oranges, um, Jessica was being a real snob. She was like, I want nothing to do with you. Don't speak to me. Um, you lost the lifeboat. Um, and she sulked away. But She's like, I can catch my own fish, you know? Exactly. And then Winston cooked food for her anyways, um, yeah. and had it waiting for her for when she changed her mind. And, and then- even like tries to make a big show of how he's talking about like the food, how good it's going to be like to try to entice her back to eat it, you know, which is really good spirited of him. <laughs> exactly. And then when she finally changes her mind, he doesn't make a thing of it. He's just, just like, oh, great. Glad you're here. Have a fish. You know, he yeah. didn't say like, you told me a second ago that I'm never supposed to talk to you again. Like he was gracious <laughs> and shared everything. We definitely see the best and worst of Winston this episode, I would say. Or this episode in this book. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This seems like as good a time as any to talk about, like, what's happening meanwhile back in Sweet Valley. Sure. Um, one funny thing that happens that first night is that the Wakefields are all... Stephen has come home from college. Kara, his girlfriend, is there. They're, like, awaiting news. And um, Lila Fowler calls the house. Yeah. And I thought, it, <laughs> thought the phone call was pretty funny. Lila calls and Elizabeth takes the call. And, and Lila's really upset about Jessica being missing, understandably. What if I never see Jessica again? Lila asked on the verge of hysteria. I've been mean to her so many times. I'll never have a chance to tell her I'm sorry. Elizabeth was sympathetic. Lila was Jessica's best friend after all, but at the same time, she didn't exactly feel like listening to a confession of all the catty things Lila had said and done to Jessica over the years. Look, Lila, there's no need to feel badly. Elizabeth hurried to reassure her. That is so funny. Sorry, the phrase feel badly always makes me think of my dad and his best friend because they made... Sorry, this is such an aside, but I have to share it, especially since the gladiators uh, know my dad. Um, they made these t-shirts that say, I feel badly for the predicate adjective, which is just like a little fun joke for them, a little grammar <laughs> joke, because like feel badly is a weird thing to say. So anyway, shout out to my so dad good. and his best friend, Uncle Brett. <laughs> look lila there's no need to feel badly elizabeth hurried to reassure her i know you and jess have had your differences but lila cut her off mid-sentence all the times i've made her feel inferior because she can't afford as many expensive clothes as i can and she doesn't have her own car or as much jewelry and all the times we've fought over boys elizabeth fought the urge to hang up on lila who had begun sniffling even more loudly Lila, I promise I'll call you as soon as we hear anything, she said patiently. Jessica wouldn't want you to be so upset. 
I'm sure she's stolen as many boys away from you as you've stolen from her. That seemed to comfort Lila somewhat. <laughs> Thanks, Liz, she said, sounding more composed. And tell your parents, I hope. Well, you know. <laughs> so that's the end of the call. <laughs> that comforted Lila somewhat. So there's Elizabeth is really stressed out. She, like she doesn't want to countenance the idea of Jessica being dead, sure. and she's really sick of answering questions about it because everybody wants to know. Of course, Jessica's like one of the most popular people in school, and Winston is too. Frankly, despite being you know a goon or being popular for the maybe yeah. not the best reasons, he's he's a very popular guy. There's an oh there's another passage where he talks about always being invited to parties because because he brings or, the entertainment. The guys talk about how they always invite him to parties because it's mm. like, you know, for sure there's a you'll always have a laugh. And there's even this whole conversation where they think about how they should have been nicer to him. And yeah. Elizabeth is like, I can't stand this. You guys are talking about them like you're, like we're at a funeral and you're eulogizing. Oh, that was another moment Oh, that I was very grateful we knew Jessica was okay just because I'm a wimp around sad things, like I said. Yeah. Um, but, but that moment of her being like, you guys are acting like you're at a funeral. And then the, you didn't hear you don't know? <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the reveal that they had found the empty lifeboat floating away. So everyone Oof. at that point had made up their minds that they were both dead. And it kind of seems like even the Wakefield parents are Absolutely. like kind of trying to be realistic. Like I think – because the next thing that happens is that Elizabeth and Stephen like can't sit around anymore. So they're going to go out on Nicholas Morrow's yacht to try to f- – like hunt the seas themselves for Jessica and Winston. And at some point their parents say something like, we don't want to lose you guys too. Mm-hmm. And it's the two that Elizabeth yeah. gets really upset about. And then the moment of after they return, you know, I think she comments on that to Steven and says like, yeah. you know, like, I don't think they think Jessica's still alive. Or I don't think they're holding out hope. And, even Steven starts to say like, well, you know, the odds aren't great. Like we have to, you know, you yeah. have to entertain the idea. Like you, surely, you know, the situation is not looking good. Right. Um, I had been waiting for something to come up that finally gets invoked here, which is Jessica and Elizabeth are identical twins. Mm-hmm. They have this like twin power, this like sense that we recently talked to a twin on the show who who can vouch for this. And I have heard tell of this, this sort of like, feeling that you have um, oh, wow. of having a kind of like cosmic connection. I mean, I-, I feel like cosmic is maybe the wrong word because I almost want to say like, oh, this is something that should be investigated. Like what kind of mirror neurons or something or, yeah, or could be something at play scientific. here. Absolutely. Mr. Russo could study it <laughs> for an extra credit <laughs> class. But, whatever uh, field of study it's in, he covers all yeah. science. So he's he's on top of it. Um, (laughs) all-purpose science expert just like you, Haley. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thanks! um, So, so Elizabeth does finally say to him, she can't be dead. I'd know. I'd know. And Stephen is like, okay, you know what? Sure. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, oh, but we didn't say that they, they didn't have any luck finding Winston and Jessica on their yacht trip because despite the fact that before they leave, Mr. Wakefield is like, okay, well, the weather's good today. Yes. He said, oh, the weather's perfect. Go on ahead. And I was like, yeah. how do you know that, sir? <laughs> and then sure <laughs> enough, they're so like, sure. <laughs> friggin' 15 minutes into their boat trip, the clouds yeah. kick up again, like they so often do in Southern California. It's constantly <laughs> storming out here. Yeah. <laughs> and they have to turn around so that they don't have a, you know, a recreation of the previous day's uh, drama on the sea. So they don't get any closer to discovering Jessica and Winston. Yeah, that was a, a long build up to a very disappointing end of that attempt. Yeah. It's like the book needed to have them be doing something. Sure, they can't just sit in the house. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought that the book was going to have Elizabeth find Jessica because like that's what I thought that was going to happen exciting. too yeah. we were getting towards the end when they were setting out and I was like <laughs> great this is what happens the Coast Guard couldn't find him but Elizabeth uses her twin powers and finds Jessica I definitely thought that's where it was going as well, well but they surprised us that would have been fun uh, but instead what happens is 
the rains come to the island and, you know, Winston and Jessica have to, you know, keep shelter, but they stay dry in their shelter. Mm -hmm. Another evening is coming and Jessica starts to think like, well, what if I, we're stuck here for a long time. And here is what she thinks. Jessica half shut her eyes, squinting at the sinking sun. What if she was stuck there forever? What if, despite what Winston said, the island was uncharted and the rescuers never found it? Jessica pictured herself 20 years from now, still dressed in the same ragged bandeau and (laughs) pair of shorts, with snarled hair down to her feet. How was she supposed to shave her legs and brush her teeth? She imagined growing old with Winston, who would look like Rip Van Winkle after 20 years of solitude, his beard reaching all the way to his knobby knees. Ugh, Jessica exclaimed out loud, wrinkling her nose in disgust. What a fate! (laughs) And it goes on a paragraph later or so. um, Ken Matthews would date some other girl, forgetting Jessica Wakefield even existed. Which was interesting, because it... Seemed like it was just kind of an interest of the day, and now it's, yeah. been, it's grown into like her lifelong lost love. Right. Oh, I guess I might as well just read this whole passage here. She would never see her family again. Elizabeth and Stephen would grow up and leave home. Stephen would marry Kara, and Elizabeth would marry Jeffrey. And Jessica, simply by virtue of being a castaway, would be deprived of her right to be made of honor at both ceremonies. Ken Matthews would date some other girl, forgetting Jessica Wakefield ever existed. She would never get to be a senior at Sweet Valley High. Oof, that one stings, since that's not going to happen for Jessica. Wow. At least not in this (laughs) series. She'd miss all the fun of graduation. All of a sudden, Jessica missed her family and friends so much it hurt. Lila, Kara, Amy... There's a trio of friends you gotta be stranded to miss. Anyway, at that (laughs) moment, she even would have been glad to see Enid Rollins, her twin's best friend. I'll never shop at the Valley Mall again, Jessica wailed to herself. (laughs) All the new European fashions will come in at Lizette's and I won't be there to buy them. I'll be wearing palm leaves while Lila wears the latest Italian leather outfits. It's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Jessica. It's a a commitment to the type of character that she is, truly. Yeah. been doubled yeah. and tripled and quadrupled down even after all this and then i mean she goes ahead and she she like essentially starts to pray like it's not a prayer to god per se it's a prayer to the universe but same difference really if you ask me yeah um she's like promises i'll be nicer if i get rescued i'll develop the other side of me that winston's been talking about you know she's like i'm gonna be a better person if only i can get rescued what should happen but suddenly in the distance, a sound. It's the it's the booming cutting of the air of the helicopter thingies. The Coast Guard! <laughs> the- <laughs> I lost some steam on my beautiful poetry there by forgetting what uh, the blades of a helicopter Whoa, are called. You, you painted a beautiful picture. And uh, Jessica being Jessica, I think the first thought before, yay, I've been rescued, is that uh, he looks kind of cute. Yep. Yep, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> so they're rescued and like cut to the other side of, you know, they're getting off the helicopter and there's press everywhere. Is Jessica keeping like in, in you know, in response to her prayers being immediately answered, instant gratification prayer? Has yeah. Jessica changed into a better person? Immediately, no. <laughs> she has forgotten her vow. See, yeah. <laughs> Immediately takes the spotlight, takes credit for everything Winston did on the island. And Winston is back to being class clown, right? Into the point where, you know, he's making jokes about how he he says that he was the entertainment on the island. And then when Elizabeth goes home with Jessica and they start, you like, laughing and bickering a little bit, they even say, essentially, like, it's a return to status quo. Absolutely, (laughs) yeah. Back to normal. Let's never speak of this again. Definitely. And even a little bit of, I mean, you get that immediately in chapter 13, Elizabeth's like, finally, I've written about this in the paper. So nobody has to talk about it again. All the details are here. Nobody has to ask me any more questions. Like, we'll move on so Jessica can get out of the limelight. (laughs) She literally thinks that thought. Like, now I don't have to hear about this anymore. There was an interesting moment, though, in that exchange with her and 
Winston, the reporters, uh, where he didn't seem upset about her just immediately, you know, bounding forward and, and taking credit for everything. Um, because there was a moment where like the reporters addressed him directly and before letting him take the stage, she gave him a very pointed wink. And that's mm-hmm. when Winston was like, I brought the entertainment. So it was sort of like, now's your chance to like uphold, you know, this persona that you've created for yourself. Like it was almost yeah. like a wink of like, we know who each other really is, but I'm going to act, you know, like this, like over the top popular girl yeah. and like I'm gonna let you act like the entertainer so nobody knows who you really are so nobody ever figures out each other and I thought that was an, an interesting take that it was almost like she was doing him a favor by taking all the credit being like I won't tell anyone you helped <laughs> yeah. wink everyone will just think you're the entertainment just like you want right where like in reality it's I don't know it's almost kind of a tragedy that these characters have like had this you know, the extreme thing happened to them. They've learned and grown and they get back to the mainland and immediately have to return to their like former selves. Yeah. And gladly, you know. (laughs) Gladly. Like he was, Winston was given the opportunity to uphold his reputation of being the funny guy. (laughs) Like they were like, oh, thank goodness. Like the status quo. I think they even say when they were, you know, like, like you said, like bickering and, um, and teasing each other, like someone's like back to normal, and then Elizabeth or somebody was like, "You mean back to crazy?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very, very uh, like Brady Bunch, it's like kind of sitcom ending. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> or Gilligan's Island, or except, Gilligan's Island. Except instead of you know, in Gilligan's Island, of course, they would have remained on the island, as Jessica you know observes to herself. After this whole buildup of of you know. Elizabeth's experience of the thought of, you know, dealing with losing her sister forever. We didn't really get to see them like come together. It was almost like um, Jessica was like, she like she saw the reporters behind her. So she let Stephen and Elizabeth give her a quick hug. And then they moved on to like their their bickering. And I was like, I kind of want that gratification of Elizabeth and Jessica, like the two sisters who thought that they were never going to see each other yeah. again, like coming together and, and seeing their love and their bond. But it, I guess it almost is more powerful because it's like siblings interact like siblings no matter what. So maybe yeah. like seeing them go back to normal is almost is almost better and like speaks more deeply to like their sibling dumb. Well, and you know what the parents say is Jessica, I can't believe we have you back, which I thought was an interesting way to put it. They really were pretty sure she was dead. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I guess I can't believe it. You're not dead. (laughs) It was kind of this air of, Oh, you're here. This is crazy. All right. Get back in the car. Let's go home. You know, we got to keep the good one. Like nobody was like, Oh, thank God. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess kind of. That's what they mean. You know, Winston's Winston's family was was more like that. Winston's mom who was sobbing and clutching him. And that beautiful moment of, um, uh, Maria oh, he picks up his girlfriend, girlfriend Maria. Oh, that was so like, sweet. She was like, let me down. And he was like, no, I never thought I'd be able to hold you again. So I'm going to hold you a little longer. Yeah. And Winston got the emotional reuniting. And then uh, Jessica's was more like for, for the cameras. <laughs> this is maybe a little bit um, like screwed up. But I have to admit that when I read Winston say that to Maria, like, you know, I thought I'd never get to hold you again, so I'm never going to put you down. I was just like, oh, man, that's the kind of thing that, like, when these two break up, if they ever do, that's really going to haunt them. <laughs> like, that's where my brain <laughs> yeah. went. Like, I don't see Maria and Winston staying together forever, so I feel like this particular moment is going to be one of those things that Maria writes, like, angry Olivia Rodrigo songs about, like, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you didn't really mean what you said, Winston. <laughs> because right they're 17 so probably they're not like each other's forever person i thought that too all of like i don't know even the illusions beforehand to like i don't know what maria sees in him they seem completely incompatible and then they get this like soup like they probably have the most heartfelt reuniting of any two people after they get back um (laughs) that's true (laughs) But yeah, I know that the the Wakefields were happy to see Jessica again. I know that just because it wasn't necessarily expressly written doesn't mean that they weren't thrilled to have their daughter back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, luckily, Jessica didn't pick up on any of those vibes because she's very sensitive to uh, maybe not being appreciated by her family. (laughs) 
Oh. Um, I mean, this book was such an unusual one, Haley. We because we launched right into it and didn't do any of the early on like, hey, have you ever read these books before? kind of conversation oh. that I often start with. I didn't get to point out or observe to you that this is such a strange book. Like to have the just there's hasn't really been one like this before. I mean, certainly Whoa. not a book where they were stranded on an island, but just like to have this level of wildness of of the events and and have it be i don't know it's just so goofy too it's really pretty goofy it was out there it was definitely it was larger than life i mean the lead into the next book at the end seemed like the entire thing was about um olivia yeah frizzy haired olivia davidson there's these new classes, mini courses coming to Sweet Valley High, and they're everybody's all a buzz. It's like the new slam books, these mini courses, which <laughs> it sounds like cool people are going to be the professors and they're going to teach interesting subjects like modeling and electronics and no grades <laughs> and no grades. And so Olivia is thinking, like, maybe I'll meet a boy. So maybe you can tease the next book for us, Haley, much like. Lost at Sea. Sure. It's uh, a pretty amusing little tag where the title of the next book sets up a potential answer to the question sure. that is being asked <laughs> that is like alarming. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> okay, you ready? Will Olivia Davidson find the romance she's dreaming of when mini courses come to Sweet Valley High? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 57, Teacher Crush. Awesome. So that's not going to be problematic at all. But it also, uh, I know what you mean. That, you know, if the entire next book is about a crush and then this, you know, the events of the last one compared to what seem like, you know, are going to be the events of the next one, it seems like, I don't know, actually, because having a crush on a teacher is, I think, probably a, if anything transpires between them, maybe that is just as dire as a shipwreck. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One is very interpersonal versus the last one is like this huge, like epic tale of the elements. It seems yeah. very different. I'm hoping and also kind of expecting that nothing is going to come of this teacher crush. Sure. I feel like that's probably the lesson of the book. Fingers crossed. <laughs> now that we've gotten all the way through the book, Haley, the last little bit of business that we have is for me to ask you a question I ask all my guests, which is, are you an Elizabeth or a Jessica? Definitely an Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. You mean the the science expert who, <laughs> who was really excited about uh, the prospect of tide pools on Atacapa Island at the outset of the book, just like Elizabeth was? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> what was the thing that you had? There were some like facts about you that the writers for Tappity had to look at early on. And it was like you kept some kind of like mold diary or was it mold? It was mulch, mulch collection. I did. Mulch. When I was in very early elementary school, I would collect mulch from the playground that were like, you know, different shapes and sizes and unique formations. I specifically remember getting very excited if there was ones with like little holes in them. Um, wow. You know, have you seen those? Like the, there's like perfectly cut out like little knots. And anyways, whew, I categorized them and it was a sight. It was a sight to be seen. They're in the Smithsonian somewhere now. <laughs> All right. So we definitely got an Elizabeth on our hands. <laughs> Well, maybe we can talk just a little bit more briefly about science and maybe any science field trips, things like that, um, high school science memories in our extra drama episode next week. But for now, all that remains is for me to say, Haley, thank you so much for reading Lost at Sea with me. Thank you. I don't think I ever would have come across Sweet Valley High. And I truly, I read this whole thing in an afternoon. I just, it yeah. was super enjoyable. I had a lot of fun reading it. Yay. Well, they are easy breezy, and this was a particularly fun one. Um, is there anything that you want the listeners to know about to, like, seek you out or find you on anywhere, anything you're doing? 
Yeah, it's happening first and foremost. Um, if you want to know more about tide pools, I'm sure we've got an episode on that somewhere. If we've, been, if we've uh, <laughs> piqued your interest in talking about yeah. this episode. Hopefully no like four to nine-year-olds listening to this podcast. But if, <laughs> if you are, hey, tell your mom or dad to uh, download Tappity for you. And yeah. yeah. On uh, some sort of mobile device that you have access to. well gladiators what i have to plug is sweet valley diaries the podcast and the process of promoting it to your friends and loved ones tell people about the podcast thank you so much for your beautiful reviews thank you so much to everybody who sends fun comments and notes and stuff on instagram where the podcast is at sweet valley diaries and um I'll just say, if you haven't subscribed to my newsletter, Metaphoria, yet, and you're interested at all, you can find it at substack.flaxbart.com. It's not about Sweet Valley Diaries or Sweet Valley High, except sometimes. But that's something that I'm doing that I am proud of, and I feel like plugging. So check that out. Um, Haley, we'll talk a little bit more now, but um, the gladiators won't hear it till next week. So Ooh. thank you so much for doing this. You are so very welcome. Thank you for having me. Yay. Yay! Thank oh, you, uh, advice. If you go on a sea trip, buckle your, buckle your safety jacket. vest. It's the biggest takeaway. Also, yeah. truly, in reading this book, I feel like I got a lot of survival tips from Winston. You know, mm-hmm. if you're stranded on a desert island and it's about to rain, collect firewood because once it gets wet, it won't start a fire. You know, like I never would have thought of that. It's a good tip. It's a good tip. And it's a. Uh, it's one to to remember. If you need a survival guide for a deserted island in the Channel Islands, pick up Lost at Sea, Gladiators, <laughs> and read it carefully. <laughs> Take notes. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica had dated Ken occasionally in the past, but Elizabeth had thought that it was as, but Elizabeth had thought that was it. Gosh, I'm having a hard time with this. But Elizabeth had thought that was it as far as their romance was concerned.